You're listening to the Wizard Factory Audio Podcast, streaming now from Spotify, iTunes, and other major platforms. videos exploring deeper knowledge of the universe and yourself. Back again with another episode. My name is Logan Hart. And I'm Brian Easterday. And again, for part three here, we are joined again by Susan Renee. Um, to conclude this three-part series of the allegorical breakdown of the film The Dark Crystal. Uh, we're having a lot of fun so far with this, digging deep into the symbolism and such a great movie to start with, you know, just so rich with meaning and, and uh, kind of allegory. So do um, you guys have anything you want to say before we start? Uh, yeah, no, I'm just excited to kind of get to wrap this one up and everything because it's been fun to dive into the movie and, you know, eventually, you know, everybody enjoyed this. You know, make sure you go ahead and, you know, uh, click the like button and subscribe too. And eventually we'll be getting into the new Dark Crystal series as well. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, that'll be very uh, exciting as well, because what, what they really did with the series is they just they took the movie and went so much deeper with it. So, uh, But I'm excited to get back into it. So last time we kind of, you know, left off uh, with Jin getting to the castle, you know, and we talked about, you know, him entering the castle. It kind of enters, like, at, at the base in this kind of underground cave, you know, and we were talking about the symbolism of the unconscious mind with that. And then, you know... Uh, he encounters uh, some trials down there. You know, there there was a the scene where, you know, everything kind of gets crashed in on him. And then there's this uh, separation of the masculine and feminine. And, uh, you know, those were kind of the things we covered in the last episode. And then we left it off at the part where uh, Jim is getting ready to uh, start ascending, you know. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. And then we're going from here in this, in this one. So uh, you guys want to dive into it from there? Yeah, totally. Um, so the next point uh, to get back onto this, the timeline here is that the mystics have actually been traveling this whole time in the movie on their way to the Crystal Castle, and now they've actually arrived. So you see them approaching it, and of course there are some Gartham at the gateway or at the uh, entrance, and as they get close, they start kind of coming to and you know, getting all worked up like they're about to attack. And then right then, they all, all the mystics, they start doing that chant where they go, oh, like that. And the uh, Gartham just like freeze and then it just puts them to sleep. So, you know, to me, this this is kind of a, uh, it indicates a, a command over natural law and using the power of your voice and especially speaking truth, that you're shutting down the the programming again, the mind control. And you know, uh, natural law and truth is is absolute and it's perfect and immutable. So um, you know, again, the the Garthian seem to represent the order followers. So they're about to do something to attack them, and you know that that use of sound and vibration and sort of speaking the language of the universe, so to speak instantly shut them down and kind of rendered them inert. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very, you know, a couple of interesting things here uh, to note is that uh, when the mystics are encountering this threat, it kind of shows the, the different ways uh, a person could go about encountering a threat. You know, for example, like if a person encounters a worry follower or someone physically threatening them, most people's instinct would be to physically respond back with that. But you see the mystics, uh, you know, they use that, just that power of that knowledge that they possess of, of cosmic law and of, of sound of that speech, uh, mm. you know, symbolically to, to do it. And it, and it really shows you that uh, there's, there's different ways a battle can be fought. And a battle doesn't have to be physically fought to be won. You know, you can, you can win it with your speech, your communication, your words like that. And that's really the, the easiest way to do it because instead of them having to, to battle these golf from, these order followers, they instead just like move aside 
and then the mystics continue past. And I also think it's really interesting to note, like you said, the mystics have been traveling this whole time and you kind of see this as, uh, you know, everything plays out in the movie here. Their timing is literally like, like perfect. You kind of see through the movie there, you know, they move very, like very slowly. Like they're just kind of at this steady little grind. And then, but in the end, like the timing is just perfect in the way that they, they show up for it. Um, so it's kind of interesting to note how that plays out. Um, yeah, I agree with the points that you both made. And I kind of saw that, that chant or that oming sound, which, you know, as we know, the ohm is what they say, the sound of creation. And I thought of that as part of the song of Thra. And even though the Gartheme are order followers, they are a part of that. And because Thra, the heart of Thra is truth, then it makes sense that even, you know, those that have been corrupted must. And to me, I saw they kind of bowed their heads in respect and reverence. I didn't really think of it as they went to sleep. But now that Logan has pointed that out, I kind of do think that maybe that was more what it was because they did just kind of shut down. But I feel that 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 song, as you put it, that, you know, resonance and that truth within that could not be ignored. Mm-hmm. And they they had full confidence that they could handle anything that was, you know, going to meet them at the gate. So that was a very good scene. Yeah, I like your take on that, too, that yeah. it, it could it could be perceived as them almost sort of bowing their head to the mm-hmm. truth, like just like getting out of the way, basically, because those mystics are following their Orlog. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and I like your association with that, um, that one sound that's like with the song of Thra. That's a very, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't mm-hmm. considered that before, but yeah, that's very interesting, though, that by being able to get back to that same resonancy that uh, even the order followers that had been uh, twisted uh, then, you know, uh, bow their heads in reverence or, you know, simply, you know, step, step aside. So that's, that's definitely mm-hmm. a good point for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It changed so, their vibration. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that's, it could almost sort of lend itself to that feedback loop of um, correspondence where you, we can influence the universe, but of course the universe influences us back too. So it's always that, that gabo, that in and out, mm-hmm. that masculine and feminine transfer of energy that right. play. Mm-hmm. So yeah, up next, uh, Jen enters the crystal room, the crystal chamber. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, that, that sort of upper level, that's like a balcony overseeing it. Uh, he, he enters there very quietly, just as the Skeksis are now sort of coming down the hall, they're making their way in their own sort of ritualistic fashion. You know, the ritual master mm-hmm. is leading and they're all kind of, there's this way about how they're walking. Uh, and then, you know, they they pass by and you see Kira is trying to get up there too, but she's hiding in the shadow, what, letting them walk past. And she's sort of all colored, like the, dr- the colors drain from her face and, and she's got dark circles and she just kind of looks a little bit like not not her finest day obviously uh because she just got partially drained from by the crystal so she's in this weakened state um you know and to revisit some of the themes that we've been uh carrying on through this entire series the the divine feminine is probably the most important archetype and and symbol uh, throughout this entire story and here you see the feminine in a very like depleted state uh but yet she's still in the fight so i kind of like for example one way i could interpret that is uh, modern feminism because you know it, it is very much taking on a very toxic feminine form currently but there's still some who would also call themselves feminine feminist who truly desire and support equality it's not about this shift in the power dynamics and subjugating men and all this kind of stuff. It's just wanting that true communion of, of uh, equality. So, you know, in other words, the feminine is still in the fight, but there's, it's a little bit like kind of in between worlds, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, it, you know, you could also uh, kind of look at it as, you know, that, that feminine, it's been captured and it's in a state of distress uh, and looking at it as in care that, you know, 
the conjunctions coming up, like there's these major opportunities, but you can see that like care is something that could, uh, you know, if it's in a state of distress, that definitely is leading to an issue, uh, you know, that feminine energy not being in its, its healthiest form. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. you know, that's something I think to note that when these major events and things are coming up in our world, that that care is almost always, you know, it's it's a very fragile thing. You know, if you lose it, uh, then, you know, every everything, all your chance of success and getting any of your work actually accomplished goes away. You have to have that care, that creative force. Um, so I think it's interesting to note that they kind of introduce it in this this kind of distressed state. Mm-hmm. And it's actually reflected in the masculine within the crystal, if you think about it, because the crystal to me is very phallic. It's the crystal of truth. It holds knowledge. So it is, you know, somewhat masculine in essence. And and so if you think of the chamber, the crystal being the chamber, that's the feminine, right? And chamber is a very powerful word. It's to restrain or to lock away within and um, even the you know the verb of it would be to restrain but the truth is literally in chains the crystal is you know chained up as we see in some of the scenes and the crystal is in distress as well the masculine the mm-hmm. skexies are stealing energy through the crystal and you know we see that they're withering away as well so it's it's curious to see the reflection of the feminine is is in distress is you know drained is depleted and then the masculine the crystal is also in that same state. Mm, yeah, that is very interesting. Mm. So then uh, the um, the Skeksis are taking their places in the crystal chamber. They're getting ready to do their sort of song and dance for the Great Conjunction beginning. Um, and then Kira joins Jen up top. So, you know, to me, it's like the the Gelfling masculine and feminine are now reunited. So he's back in his power. He has the shard. He has the, the, the feminine, which is care and uh, mother Agra is on our way back too, because she got freed after the animals, you know, killed one of the Skeksis and then her and Fizgig, two other, which I think are, you know, kind of representing aspects of Jen, sort of these external manifestations of characters and how he's, interacting with himself throughout this journey. So it's the great conjunction of the characters too. The mystics are there. Agra's and Fizgig are on their way back up. Jen, you know, everything is coming back into alignment in, in, on all, in, in every way, every, every aspect. So, um, you know, the, they're looking through the, this triangular opening in the top of the crystal room which I think is really interesting as the suns are showing and they're all, they're real close together, but they haven't completely aligned yet. But this is obviously the symbol that you've been seeing throughout the entire show with the, the triangle with the eye in it. Because if you look at the eye, there's three circles. There's the outside of the eyeball. Then there's the, uh, an inner circle. That's the iris. And then the one inside that is the pupil. So it looks just like an eye, but it's actually the three suns aligning. And then, you know, that triangle representing the triality of the masculine, the feminine, and then the the union of both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, very interesting. I like that you brought up that it's the the conjunction of the characters as well. Because you can really see that, you know, that law of correspondence, not only is it at the astrological conjunction, but the conjunction of the, the characters as well. So we see that you know, that as above, so below. So I really love how they incorporated that in there. That's Mm. definitely a good point to look at. Mm -hmm. And so the, the Skeksis all start chanting, now we will live forever. And they just keep chanting that over and over. We will live forever, you know, very ritualistic. And again, really Mm -hmm. displaying this obsession that the ruling elite have with, their godlike status, their immortality, you know, like just that they're untouchable in a way, even though they spent so much time being afraid of the Gelfling and trying to capture or kill or apprehend them because they it would thwart their plans. And ironically, that's exactly what happens. Despite their hubris, despite them thinking, you know, that they're gods, it, it, a little Gelfling in a, in a 
a crystal, a little shard, you know, took it all down and completely changed the, the dynamic. So Fizzgig, you know, starts barking and freaking out uh, to Kira. So there's the divine feminine is getting a ping from that sort of, um, you know, the, what did you call it? The, uh, the friendly beast. And yeah. uh, th it gets the attention of the Skeksis. So now they all look up and they see the two Gelfling there and they're like freaking out like, holy shit, the Creek conjunction is upon us. And there's two Gelfling in the crystal chamber with the shard like, oh, this is bad. This is really bad. You know, <laughs> you have you have anything you guys? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very interesting that you brought up that, you know, the Skeksis, they're in this this state of, you know, duality and being split within themselves as we see, you know, reflected within being split from the mystics, but even in like, they're in this state of cognitive dissonance that, you know, they believe that they're, they have all this hubris. They believe that they're all powerful and they're going to live forever, but yet they're also extremely afraid and terrified all the time, you know? So it's mm. a very, you know, contradictory uh, worldview that they have of themselves uh in that sense and it, and it's really like that they've gaslighted themselves that's that's one thing i noticed with the skexies um that and they they really put this in the series a lot too but uh if you look at their communication and the way they're interacting with each other throughout the whole thing they're they're either gaslighting each other or trying to manipulate each other or uh reinforcing you know uh like a false narrative you it's know, all fear-based. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, and they just do whatever they need to to uh, elevate themselves and kind of keep that that story that they've been telling themselves that they're these all-powerful beings uh, going when that really isn't the case at all. And it's almost right. as if they've forgotten who they were before because they never mm -hmm. acknowledge. Oh well, if this this prophecy comes true you know, we will actually be a more powerful being than we are now. It, it's as if they've mm -hmm. forgotten their past and they don't even know why they're afraid mm -hmm. of it. They just go, they're just going through the motions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like that fear of trauma or the fear of healing, I should say to a traumatized individual, because logically it doesn't make sense. Like you're so messed up. Uh, so many people are in dire need of healing, yet that seems the thing that terrifies them the most, that it's like that's the thing that would help them the most, yet they, some people will literally do anything to keep from looking at themselves and, and like, healing from that, basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, so the Skeksis are, are shrieking in fear of this possibility, and it's, it's like Susan said last time, you know, they tried... Uh, the one Chamberlain tried to spin the story of just like, oh, well, we were just acting out of self-preservation. We were afraid that the, the, you know, the Gelfling would destroy the Skeksis when that wasn't actually what the prophecy was, literally. But it's very ironic because that's their interpretation of it. In a way, there's a grain of truth to that because they would not exist, they would not continue to exist as they currently are. It, they, they would transform into this new thing. And of, right. of course, you know, ironically, that's what they're so afraid of. They're clinging to, to them, that toxic identity. To them, it is like death. In fact, it's probably worse than right. death. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and it's, you know, it's also interesting to note that when the conjunction is happening, the potential for both uh, outcomes is there. Like you see the Skeksis there, they're performing their ritual. But then, you know, the Gelfling, are, you know, Jim and Kira are also there mm. with, the, with the shard. And it, and it could go either way. And that's really, you know, interesting to note that when we, we look at, especially like major astrological events and things, there there's a general energy that's there, but you never know how it's going to play out. Like we uh, talked about in uh, part one, I believe, with Mother Agra, you know, and she's, a speak, you know, she's speaking about it. She's like, you know, uh, you know, just big change, sometimes good, sometimes bad. You know, it, it, the potential is there. Uh, so yeah. I think it's really interesting how they set that scene up, of having the conjunction of all the characters, all these uh, different potentials that are there. You're not really sure what exactly is going to happen. And is that not natural law in a nutshell? Right. If this, yeah. this, this, it's the future is unwritten. It's like if, if I input this behavior or this outcome happens, you know, this is going to be the result of that. Mm -hmm. and very much you know we're seeing that in the real world this 
great precipice of just like he said in the movie heal and and ascend or descend further into darkness and decay and that's where we're at if it's just very much this turning point where shit's down to the wire and it's about to go one way or another pretty damn soon so you know they're 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 shrieking in fear and uh they they summon the gartham of course they they call upon their order followers um to protect them and to you know uh to go get the gelfling and uh jen is getting surrounded so it's kind of like the pressure's on him to take action it's like now or never so he just runs and jumps and lands on top of the crystal the dark crystal but then immediately drops the shard and it falls to the floor and now the skexies are really freaking out and um you know, I was going to say this uh, earlier, Brian, when you were talking about the way the Skeksis interact with each other and they're always trying to, like, manipulate and deceive and push this fa- these false narratives that serve their own agenda. Doesn't that kind of relate to the Dark Crystal, the crystal of truth that has been perverted? Is that they're, they're misusing the power of speech and uh, information to corrupt and, you know, manipulate and exploit others. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. So the emperor, you know, uh, reaches down and he goes for the shard. It's right, right next to him. And then out of nowhere, Fizgig shows up and bites his hand and starts like attacking him. He's waving his hand like this, which to me was a very powerful moment, especially because, you know, rewatching this and we had already uh, discussed in part two, this, this archetype of the, the friendly beast is, you know, Fizgig is just this little ball of fur, yet if he hadn't have done that, that just that one moment alone could have changed the entire course and outcome of the whole movie because if the Emperor had have actually grabbed the shard, it pretty much would have been over. So it was, he grabbed his hand, you know, started biting it, and it bought uh, Kira just enough time to fly down with her wings or sort of hover down and pick up the shard. So just that one moment, you know, Brian and me, we've talked about just how a single act or a single moment or a single, single decision can literally change your entire life or if not change, the, you know, the outcome or the fates of worlds, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting that, you know, uh, the character they have uh, do that is Fizgig, this kind of friendly beast. And I think that's very interesting in, in the sense of, kind of showing that it, it's Thra fighting back, you know, like we, when we saw, you know, when all the animals freed themselves from the cages, you know, mm-hmm. and freed Mother Agra too, that the, it's the world waking up, you know, that uh, even nature is there to, to stand up in support against the Skeksis because they have perverted it to such a point. Um, so, you right. know, they, it even stands up and starts to uh, attack back. And I, and I, you know, that's, I think that's interesting to know in the sense of we, we see a lot of energetic shifts going on, on, on our planet currently that personally, like I, I definitely view as part of a, a cleansing and alchemical process that just as we are cleansing, cleansing as individuals, you know, that the earth is as well. Um, and I think, you know, we can see that in nature that, you know, even, even nature kind of starts to stand up and uh, start pushing back in its own way against these uh, archetypes of control. And I think that was symbolized really well in, in just the, the idea of um, Fizgig coming up and biting, you know, uh, the Emperor's hand to keep him from getting the shard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan, were you going to say something? Um, well, not about the friendly beast archetype. I do think it is interesting that um, what she said about if that one moment had been different and it's, It's funny that, you know, there's always these main character hero types in a movie, but this friendly beast, if you look back, is actually a really common theme, and they're kind of like the unsung heroes. Um, But I did notice something about uh, Jen landing on the crystal, and when he drops it, to me, that him taking that leap, that jump, was the courage, the masculine side of that. But then he dropped it because it would be way too easy for him to just have made this perfect landing and put the crystal in, and that was the end of the movie. But, you know, he drops it, and it takes the sacrifice of the feminine 
in mm-hmm. order to, you know, that literally this, this Trinity is, is happening right up until the end, the very end of the movie, you know, like that, mm-hmm. that need for both aspects to come together, you know, all the asp- all three aspects to come together to make this perfect conjunction. Right. Mm-hmm. And you could also definitely say that Fizgig, you know, sacrificed himself as well because he took a risk biting the emperor's hand and then the emperor ends up shaking him off and he falls down the shaft into the, the fiery pit below. So as far as you know, at that moment, Fizgig died. You know, he, he gave his life or at the very least he was willing to give his life because he did he did that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, a good point that you brought up there, season two, in the sense that, you know, if you think of Jim taking that that leap of faith, so to speak, you know, uh, towards the truth that sometimes uh, we do have a little bit of failure or, you know, like we do drop the ball, so to speak. And that and that's part of that process that it isn't always just this perfect landing and, and back. It very rarely is. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's pretty definitely fitting, very actually. Interesting. <laughs> 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 and then, you know, Kira actually picks up the shard off the floor and that freaks them out, too, in which I think is symbolic. The Skeksis literally say she has the shard. Take it from her think about what we said that the shard represents is that the boundaries, the Thorazaj, the sense of self or either knowledge of self or sovereignty itself. And what more, even more than men do the elites not want to have that is the feminine. That's why the Mm -hmm. feminine have been so subjugated, gaslighted, every other way kept down, um, you know, throughout history. It's because they fear that very thing the divine mm-hmm. feminine in, in her power, in her fierceness, like we talked about before, that scares the utter shit of the, out of them because it's like that Kali that brings retribution for mm-hmm. negative karma, which is exactly what they're, they understand and they're trying to avoid at all costs because they're evil, you know? Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so then they all start to surround her and uh, Jen is actually telling Kira, just give him the crystal. Like he, he cares so much about her. He's saying, you know, don't risk your life for this. And she says, no, Jen, heal the crystal. And she throws it up to Jen and then immediately gets stabbed in the back. So you see the, she's she's dying. And here, you know, you really see the sacrifice uh, happening and the the slaying of the feminine which you know you see this theme a lot too in for example like uh, Trinity getting killed in the Matrix uh, and then Neo brings her back to life so there's this sort of that that archetype that's happening which I think is, is pretty deep um, you guys want to yeah, I totally yeah, agree I mean... with that And it's interesting because we had to rewind it a couple of times because it sounds like she says, no, Jen, feel the crystal. And we were like, is it feel or heal? And we had to listen to it a few times to see. And both of them I felt felt were applicable because, you know, she was saying like, this is bigger than us, you know, like the, you know, no, heal the crystal, like everything that we've done up until now. Exactly. This is the prophecy. This we only have one chance. And I mean, really, they didn't have a whole lot to lose. They were the last two Gulfling, you know, in existence. So that care definitely, you know, went deeper with with her sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's interesting that, you know, they pick the the feminine archetype as as the one to uh, sacrifice. Uh, you know, you see that a lot with that kind of uh, that divine even uh, kind of motherly energy that, you know, like a mother will do absolutely like anything to defend uh, her children, that there's, there's that willingness to lay down one's life uh, in order. And that's really uh, an embodiment of care that, you know, if there, if there was an act of care, I could, being willing to lay down uh, your life in order to accomplish something or to help someone else, uh, that, that is definitely a, a very powerful act. Um, to do so I, I think that's very interesting that they chose the feminine archetype to do that mm. so then we see Jin. he's on top of the the crystal of truth with the shard he thinks Kira has been killed 
and she's laying there on the floor and everyone's just kind of looking and he goes like this and he just puts it right in the hole and there's a huge flash of light and it literally blows Jin like he <laughs> sends him flying off the crystal and um you know everything begins to change like literally everything starts shifting all the Garthim fall into pieces like their heads fall off and each little section of their body like their beetle armor is just falling into into piles uh and the the actual crystal I'm sorry the actual castle starts crumbling but not to fall to be destroyed but you actually see as bigger pieces are falling that it's revealing the the castle is actually made of crystal underneath that so it's almost like this looking at the difference between stone and crystal technically crystal is is stone but stone is sort of a lot more dense and uh inert and kind of dead whereas crystal is almost like a living type of rock you know it, it literally vibrates it has a frequency to it and it's so, continually growing too mm, yeah that's that's a really good point even the name christ all crystal has that sort of you know obviously we're not uh talking about christianity but the concepts where a lot of the you know the christian uh doctrine has taken from this concept of Christ consciousness, which we've seen depicted in the shaft with, with Jen ascending towards the purple, the crown chakra, you know, um, that's, that's essentially what that represents uh, on an esoteric level is an activated human being that has brought everything into balance, the left and right hemispheres, which is again, the masculine and feminine, that seems to be what everything is pointing at in this movie. Um, and uh, the, it, it, you know, it's, it's utterly chaos, um, perceived chaos, you could say, even though it's the beginning of the end where all things are actually put right, so everything is set right, to anyone just watching that part without context, that's what it looks like, chaos. The walls are literally crumbling. Mm -hmm. Yes, right. And it's that sort of order coming out of chaos that you know is coming that in order for everything to come back into the uh, uh, alignment to create a new world, that old world must be destroyed. Essentially, you know, it's like that quote um, that, you know, enlightenment is, is a destructive process because it's not just this super nice feel good butterflies kind of thing. It's utter destruction of those aspects of your, who you think you are, that you aren't those, you know, the old paradigms, the old beliefs, all that stuff, the trauma. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the Garthian were the first to crumble as well because, you know, the order followers were the first to fall. If you have no morals, you essentially have no power. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. What I thought was interesting is that you see that, you know, they're like crumbling in little pieces. Um, you see that kind of happening if you, if you look at a, a country whenever uh, it's going through a, a time of like a lot of change. You'll mm -hmm. see that their their power structure it doesn't just crumble in like this and you know it's kind of like in little pieces you know like this little area will start to go wrong or you know this group of order followers over here uh, won't become as effective or you know they'll stop doing their job or, or whatever it is but it's this process of you know it's just all being torn apart you know a very uh, you know destructive uh, process you know and that you know we see that obviously you know uh, reflected in the ideas of alchemy. You know, in astrology, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, chakras that are all, you know, symbolized mm -hmm. by this kind of the storm. You know, in the tarot, there's, you know, uh, the tower card. You know, so mm -hmm. this is a this is a theme, this destructive kind of theme, in order for something new to be rebirthed out of it that we see a lot. And I also right. thought it was really interesting that whenever Jin, uh, you know, reunited the crystal, it was so powerful that you know it blew him back. You, um, you know, that's and that's something that you could see that you know when you really step into full alignment with yourself and integrate with truth, it's an experience that literally like, you know, it like blows you back. Like you're, you're not, <laughs> not quite prepared for what that's going to bring in that kind of like level of both destruction mm -hmm. and rebirth that happens when you, when you do that integration. Right. 
I was literally blown away, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was a mind-blowing <laughs> experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, e e even more uh, based on what you were saying there, Brian, about the, the Gartham actually falling into pieces, is you, you can almost look at that as the fractured psyche as well of the kind of person mm -hmm. that it takes to take a, a job or a position like that. They are so fragmented within themselves that once truth is restored symbolically, who they think they are is going to literally crumble into pieces mm. because there's no truth to it. There's no substance. It just it's just everything in this scene, all of the the lies and the you know sickness and everything that the old world was built built upon is literally just crumbling and falling away. But in in its you know it's perceivably a bad or, you know, like I said, chaos, but you know that inevitably it's actually bringing about something that's divine and, and wholesome. So. Yeah. Um, and you see that Jen and Kira don't run away from the situation, which obviously Kira can't run anywhere because she's dead or close to it. But as soon as Jen heals the crystal, his first priority is to go to her side and he's holding her. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, in a real life situation, people would be like trying to get away. Like, I don't know what's about to happen, but you know, we're going to get out of here. Mm. But there, there was no fear, I think, because they knew that the prophecy had been fulfilled. That's a good point. And, you know, um, Agra finds Fizgig hanging in the shaft and saves him. <laughs> in fact, he's hanging on that reflector arm that they used to drain the podlings. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm. And then Agra sticks out a pitchfork and, and saves him. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, again, that, that theme of death and rebirth, everything is crumbling. And then you actually see some of the podling slaves that were enslaved in the castle, their eyes go from that gray back to the sparkly, you know, black eyes that they had before. Like, it's like their soul essence was restored as well. So everything mm -hmm. that was perverted and corrupted and everything else is now coming back into alignment, into balance. And uh, it's you could also kind of see like the mind control was broken, broken on them. Because mm -hmm. think about it, if it's their spirit that they're stealing, their essence is their spirit, well, you know, that's what breaks a slave. You have to break their spirit to break them. Mm -hmm. So that spirit is what gives them the fight that, that you know, it's, it's sort of that, that feminine, that essence, literally, mm -hmm. you know, the etheric substance of the thing. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really interesting to note the balance being restored, as it said in the beginning, when everything was green and good, and then the divine mother coming along to save the, the bravery of nature, you know, mm. and, coming and rescuing Bizgig. It's that, that reward of the bravery, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's kind of interesting. I, I never, it never struck me quite like that until you just said it where the land was green and good. Well, green represents balance because it's the heart chakra. It's the center mm -hmm. where everything else moves into from the bottom up and, and down to activate that, that, you know, heart space there. And uh, so yet another sort of allegorical reference to that balance of the way things were before and now all is being restored. So we're seeing the world begin to, now that the death and destruction, the tower card uh, scene is dwindling, now begins the actual reintegration. So this whole time while all that was happening, Jen has been holding Kira like essentially holding her in his in his arms and um it's like he 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 cares so much about her he loves her and he you see tears in his eyes and like susan said most people would have just run away to save themselves but he just stayed right there and was trying to connect with that one part of him that he feel was taken from him that that loss when everything else is being recombined he's there kind of mourning the loss of that or what he thinks is. And um, uh, it's his care for Kira, you know, his love. It, it reminded me of that, that part in the never ending story when uh, Atreyu is talking to the turtle, the giant turtle. And he's saying, 
well, why don't you care? Uh, if you do nothing, you know, you'll be destroyed too. The, the nothing is, is taking over everything. And he says, we don't even care that we don't care. So to me, this, you, this is being depicted because his love for Jen is like the, the love of care or the care for care. You see, like you have to love and cherish that as that, you know, the, the, the queen, the divine feminine is something that the masculine should inherently want to uh, protect because it's so delicate yet sacred and powerful all at the same time. Uh, you know, like you said, Brian, earlier, you said yourself, you know, that care is so fragile. And once you lose it, it can be difficult to get back because how, how do you care if you don't care that you don't care? You know what I mean? Like, it, it's something it has to be so inherent, intrinsic to your being that comes forth, it's like welling out of you. So light, like shoots down from the sky into the crystal and then from the crystal into the mystics, and then to the Skeksis, and this time the light beams are green. So and the again, crystal is that, now clear again. Right, mm -hmm. crystal clear. Mm -hmm. And so you have that green light beams, kind of indicating that that completion, that balance again. And it's almost and the heart. like right. If the the crystal represents the all, then the light is going. You know, the light is truth and knowledge is going from truth itself uh, into the feminine, which is the, the mystics, uh, and then into the, the, the Skeksis. So it's like truth, you know, into the feminine or intuition and emotion, and then to the logic. It's sort of that, that hierarchy mm -hmm. uh, that is in, you know, metaphysics, essentially, of the, the, the components of the self. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then they all start kind of becoming... Uh, merged with each other the mystics in between the skexies but they're all facing away from the crystal it's very interesting the way that they're oriented like this um uh before i continue yeah you guys want to add anything yeah just that it's, it's very interesting when all this you know destruction and kind of chaos is happening that you know these this mystics that they step into the place within the the ritual space in the chamber uh, like just right and, and perfect time for the conjunction. Uh, you know, it's like, it, it was almost, uh, it, like it kind of got more perfect their timing of how they came into mm -hmm. all their proper places. And, and they all knew exactly where they were supposed to go because unlike the Skeksis who, you know, Susan had mentioned earlier had forgotten who they were, that they were these other beings, the mystics still had that, that memory or that acknowledgement that they, st they knew that they were fractured. Uh, parts of the self um, and that that reintegration needed to happen and they, mm -hmm. they were fighting it. They were willingly moving towards it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. You noted that their backs were to the crystal because the Skeksis always faced it and the light was going in through their eyes, but it was going in through the, their backs, like mm -hmm. in the heart space when they were mm -hmm. receiving it. And the, as he said, it's the light and then it's the mystic and then the Skeksis and the way that they line up with one another, it looks as though the mystics start standing up tall and they're, they're opening their chest, like they're receiving because mm -hmm. they're the feminine. And as Logan pointed out, when we were talking about it earlier, the, the masculine is surrendering. The Skeksis are kind of just, they're, they're not fighting it. They're allowing it to happen in that moment of mm -hmm. reintegration there's this transmutation of the heart and spirit through this experience and the masculine is surrendering and the feminine is receiving. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and that's interesting, interesting that, you know, the masculine has to be enveloped in the feminine, enveloped in mm -hmm. care in order right. to be healed. You mm -hmm. know? Right. Cause mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like a reversal of when you think of the masculine, it's that thrusting, penetrating, you know, action oriented versus this, where it's kind of like, you know, to, to be, like to use an, an analogy, it's like letting the, the woman do the work. In other words, it's not, it's sort of submitting to that feminine that's just coming in almost like, you know, spooning them from behind, like just wrapping them up. And they're sort of submitting to that where, mm -hmm. yeah, the mystics look bigger and the Skeksis are all kind of like shrinking down as they're all like merging into each other. Really, really interesting, the orientation and stuff. And you could also kind of look at it as, you know, like you said, it's, the open arms 
the, the heart space all exposed and taking them in. Um, it's like the, they're embracing their shadow self, you know, mm -hmm. the, and merging as one, the, the moon and sun, you know, sort of thing. Well, yeah, and that's, you know, it's interesting that, you know, they're coming back into alignment with themselves at the same time the three suns, you know, uh, three souls are mm -hmm. coming into alignment uh, wow. at the same time in the conjunction. So, again, more of the law of correspondence being reflected mm -hmm. there. Yeah, that's true. Crystal, <clears throat> you know, which is truth, the third, and then mm -hmm. masculine and feminine. I, I think yeah. that even the way that they look um, after the integration is interesting because they're almost mm -hmm. like these crystal trees. It's the whole as above, so below. Yeah, yeah, and, and like the, the mystics look very blissful and just kind of like confident and just opening up. But if you look at the Skeksis, they're going about it, but they all look really scared. They're like, oh, like, you know, kind of just backing into it. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, you know, right then, Agra and Fizgig, care and intuition, uh, show up at that exact moment. So now everyone is fully conjoined in the crystal chamber. And then here you see the united beings, uh, the united ones, as I call them, um, that very much have this sort of uh, Anunnaki look to them, like the gaunt face, the elongated head, and then they have sort of like uh, Susan's backdrop, this sort of tree, crystal tree looking stuff coming out of their head. And they're all white, just like the crystal and long robes. And um, also definitely worth noting, they have these sun and moon symbols on their chest area, on their cloaks. Um, as you can see in the screenshot, um, the moon is above and the sun below. Um, again, with that duality um, embodied there yeah and i thought it was interesting um there was a lot of symbols of balance there's eight which is infinity um mm -hmm. of these creatures left and as you said the the sun and the moon the three moons the three suns are represented in their cloaks and so there's very much this you know to become one balance has been restored theme mm -hmm. <clears throat> and agra says what is sundered and undone shall be whole to become one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as this is happening well and that's the first thing he says uh and now the prophecy is fulfilled we are again one many mm -hmm. ages many ages ago in our arrogance and delusion we shattered the pure crystal and our world split apart you know this to me represents the lies the deceit the the secrecy the obfuscation of truth even the the misuse of truth through dark magic essentially you know using the, the the powers of the occult uh to exploit and control people rather than to uplift humanity um it's it's truth that allows them to do that because they have this knowledge of the universal laws that govern you know magic sorcery all that stuff uh but it's being used for ill content so obviously it's a co corruption of the truth like the dark crystal well, and I think it's, it's interesting that, you know, he says, you know, many ages ago in our arrogance and delusion, you know, mm -hmm. we shattered the crystal, uh, you know, and fractured our world. You know, to me, that really hits on, and, and this is getting back into to ancient history, but at some point in our, our ancient past, the idea of other beings or, or some state of arrogance, you know, allowing that to come in. Uh, willingly, you know, because because we were arrogant, where there was something that uh, we as a species, you know, were, were seeking, and and through that arrogance and delusion, that's really what led to that traumatization, that fractalization, that sent our world, you know, spinning off into chaos. You know, I definitely think that's mm. very much what that that scene is hinting on is that you know, uh, you know, members of of ancient councils and things you know, foolishly decided to, you know, uh, allow certain things to happen. Um, and through those choices has led to, you know, ages and ages of chaos. You know, um, Sethicus Boza gets into a lot of great stuff like this. His segment, um, this seven-hour segment that he did on um, uh, Thought recently, that was a really uh, excellent segment that kind of got into this stuff really deeply. Um, you know, and that's a whole, whole can of worms, but I think that's very much what this scene 
is really hinting on and explaining this and especially what this being is saying it really goes back to all of that so you know if you guys are interested in more of that be sure to go check that out on its channel black earth productions mm-hmm. it's called the betrayal of thought yeah that's what it was yeah, yeah. very very power packed i mean you could you could spend a year studying just that one uh segment mm-hmm. alone so you know again deviation from truth natural law uh and then he says your courage and sacrifice have made us whole. That one line, I was like, whoa, I started scribbling notes right then because not only is that sort of, um, you know, we've seen that in this story with, with Jen, his courage to jump out there, you know, even to go on the journey at all, but to, to jump out there and try to heal it. And then uh, Kira gets killed by sacrificing herself. So, to me, it struck me that courage and sacrifice is sort of a uh, the masculine and feminine expression of care. Because in order to have courage, you need to care about doing the right thing. And then in order to, sacri- like, to get the job done, you have to care enough to be willing to sacrifice because it's like, I care about this thing, but I care about the right thing or truth or whatever it is more. So I'm willing to sacrifice that, let go of it. And so it's that surrender, that letting go, that sort of feminine uh, component as well. thought that mm-hmm. was really, really profound, actually. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's an excellent point. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the shard going back into the crystal again was a very penetrating act, uh, healing. So you could see the shard kind of as a masculine and then the, the crystal of truth being the feminine receiving the one back into the all because it's like, you know, the drops in the ocean sort of an analogy of we're all drops in the ocean, but what is the ocean, but a multitude of drops to quote, quote uh, cloud Atlas. Uh, one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies as well is you're, you're seeing the reintegration of the one back into the all, which is ultimately kind of the purpose of the spiritual game is source separated itself from itself in order to come back full circle and be become whole again. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, after we see this, you know, beings and we kind of see the scene here where it leads into uh, Kira being uh, healed, which I think mm-hmm. is a, a very interesting uh, event to happen. Cause you know, until this point you, you know, um, you see Jen and obviously, He's kind of, you know, still in a state of, uh, of sadness uh, and, and mourning, you know, because he's holding, Chris, uh, you know, Kira thinking that, you know, she has sacrificed herself and is essentially dead. Um, so you want to uh, get into that a little bit? Yeah, well, he, he didn't immediately speak. He, I mean, the, uh, um, I don't know, there's, there's no name for him in the movie. So I just call them the United Ones or just anunnaki just because that's what they look like um they they he looks at to uh jen and says hold her to you she is part of you as we are all part of each other so again reinforcing that there's literally no difference like she is an aspect of yourself and you should care for her just as you care for yourself as well mm-hmm. and then uh you know there's uh, a sort of a, a singing, chanting, sounding uh, music. It's hard to tell if that was part of the soundtrack or if they were, the beings were doing it, but uh, Kira was then revived and come to life, you know, and uh, he's he's embracing her there. And it's it's like that was the final thing that needed to be restored for everything to be kind of completed, right? Is, you know, mm-hmm. that that polarity or that duality, I should say, to, to them um, they can live together in love, you know, it doesn't have to be romantic love even. And I don't think they ever really went there in the story. It, it, it's kind of ambiguous, right? It's their friends and you could see they would totally, you know, do great together that way, but they never kissed or anything. I thought that was kind of interesting because that's kind of rare for a, a story like that. You know, the guy always right. gets the girl. Right. Not to have romantic. that prince and princess archetype. Right. Yeah. 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 And she yeah, definitely no, was never like the damsel in dis- distress either. You know, she mm-hmm. was just like a powerful that. a hero as he was. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I like that too. She wasn't like this helpless, like, oh, oh, they're trying to get me. What do I do? You know. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, one of the, you know, the final most powerful lines he says, uh, and, and like, the, I actually get choked up just thinking about it because the words are so, it's, it's not even that they're that eloquent. It's just that it's so powerfully true. And I feel that in my core. He says, now we leave you the crystal of truth. Make your world in its light. I mean, how beautiful to depict what we ought to be doing as a species. This, it it just highlights the sickness of the world, how absolutely insane and unhealthy and unwell that we are and what we do to each other. It's absolutely awful when we could literally be living in paradise right now by aligning ourselves to natural law, uh, learning occult knowledge and creating whatever we can possibly imagine, which the, a mind uncumbered by the chains of you know slavery and indoctrination and every other thing, just imagine the potential of what one person, let alone an entire planet of human beings that aren't tainted by that. What, what mm-hmm. we could accomplish through creation, the power of magic, essentially, without the game of egos at play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a, a very powerful line to kind of, like, lead the, the movie off with there. Because, um, it, it, again, it's, it goes back to that potential. You know, there, there's that unlimited potential for you to mm-hmm. tap into, you know, uh, to use your magic to create whatever kind of a world you want, you know, mm-hmm. and that potential is truly unlocked when we have, you know, we've all reintegrated back in alignment with ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's right. interesting that we see all these mm-hmm. different beings become reintegrated and then that potential's uh, lost in these beings that have been holding on to the power and misusing it finally realize that's not what they needed and then, you know, give it back. Right. Know, and choose to you also, it. You also see the the law of correspondence and mentalism at play with that mm-hmm. with that statement. You know, now we leave you the crystal of truth. Make your world in its light. So mm-hmm. your behavior and what you create should reflect that, correspond to that through what you know in your mind, and then through mentalism, you're you're creating that externally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, so finally, the the united ones they turn to the crystal, they they become beams of green light, which there's that green again of that balance and brought into the center uh, and return to the stars, which again, you know, very, you know, uh, symbolic of sort of that ancient aliens kind of thing. You know, they, they came from the stars, then they return now that they've sort of helped humanity or in this case, Thraw and the Gelfling level up and evolve to the, the level that they should be, you know, and that's kind of, whether that's true or not, they, some, some say, or at least, you know, according to the lore that that's what the, the aliens are doing here is, you know, keeping an eye on things, but trying to let us choose. And we could either choose to destroy ourselves and that would just be a depiction of we're not ready for the next level and that, you know, everything's moving in cycles and circles and it's just like, you just keep (laughs) doing it and doing it again until you fucking get the lesson. And then you can move on because without that sovereignty of the, the ability to fail, then you're stunted and you're not truly a sovereign autonomous or even, you know, like consider like a grown up, you know, it's so funny that you said cycles and circles, because that's exactly what I was going to say, was if we compare this to humanity, you know, if we look back into ancient history, there were these rises and falls of civilizations, right, where we had these peaks and these valleys, and that's kind of part of the story of Thra is there's these trine, and there's these conjunctions that happen, and there's actually, um, I've seen this theory about our own... Um, path of travel in the universe like our uh orbit that we're on and that there's these certain points that intersect these conjunctions that happen and at each of those points we have had a a rise of a civilization and then there's this 
gradual decline okay. that sometimes will end in like catastrophe as we've seen with some of our ancient civilizations like the ancient Egyptians and the Aztecs. There's not really a, you know, definitive reason why they rose and fall the way that they did. And that's reflected in these cycles of thraw. It's almost like they got a, a, a new start. And when it showed the, the scene of Jen and Kira together at the end, as he's saying, make your world and, in its light, I kind of got this Adam and Eve vibe of like this re is they're literally the only two left. So they are getting to restart and they have this opportunity and like Brian pointed out, it could go either way. And that's something that Augur is aware of too, that like this next thousand shrine, who knows what could happen? You know, it may not necessarily be a happily ever after. And that's what's so real and raw about this movie is that it's, it's got tragedy. It has bravery. It has heart. It has, you know, all of those elements of, you know, real life. Right. Yeah. And that's something you can really tie it all together with too, because when they read the, um, you know, the prophecy by Gelfling hand or else by none, in other words, like no, no one's coming to save you. You know, there's mm-hmm. no get out of the savior complex mentality. Uh, it's, it was there. He says your courage and your grit, you know, um, sacrifice that is that saved you and it was you know ultimately their choices that they did themselves no one else uh which i like to really contrast with you know the christian mindset they don't have either you know uh i'm not attacking christians i'm attacking i'm attacking the mindset of the belief system that they follow where uh they have no courage they they beseech sky daddy oh give me this or help me with this or oh god please help me whatever total learned helplessness and they have no sacrifice because guess what jesus already died for us he made the right. sacrifice we're good all we have rather to do than is- healing we'll just ask for forgiveness that's way easier mm-hmm. right exactly <laughs> it's so not you can really see but- <laughs> why that is such a inherently disempowered uh and disempowering uh path to follow and uh, you know, personally, I think that, that it, it's very much intentionally designed that way. And that's why it's the most, you know, popular. Uh, and especially if you look at all three Abrahamic religions, by far the most popular religions of, of the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it just ask yourself, who does that benefit? You know, because they're, they're waiting on the rapture. They ain't trying to save the world. They're just, you know, even Christian truthers that know all about what they're doing, you know, the chemtrails and the Illuminati, whatever. They're just like, well, it's just a test of my faith. As long as I stay true to my God and my Savior, then he's going to come and save us, you know, the good ones. Everybody else will burn and all the Christians will go to heaven. But just because I believe, I mean, it's right. just, there's, there's, it's, it's meaningless. Yeah. If there's no, well, yeah, you know, like there's no lesson there. Well, yeah, and like I said, it's just it's just a fundamentally different mindset than what is being you know displayed here in the movie of like having uh, that courage and having that sacrifice and that willingness to be able to go and take that action yourself rather than look for something outside of it. So, um, is there any uh, last minute uh, points you guys had that you can think of when we get in here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, the movie ends with this last symbol of balance of the masculine and feminine because the crystal is now clear and healed, and so is the chamber and the castle itself. And the castle, and exactly. The castle is made the male, of the, the female, the and the all. Mm-hmm. So even that is kind of a. It's depicting the crystal. You know, we leave you the trust crystal make the world in its light well now even the castle itself is already reflecting that crystal clear white solid pure uh aspect to the crystal and the land around the crystal was like very desolate and it's now green and healed yes yeah Yeah. exactly with with a river of water by the way which is very feminine Mm -hmm. yeah i didn't know that is a really really beautiful scene to uh to end the movie on so Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, we, we had a lot of fun doing this one, guys. So if you enjoyed it, you know, uh, make sure you hit, you know, like and subscribe, you know, and, you know, comment below, you know, what were some of your takes from the movie or some of your favorite scenes and, you know, things that uh, maybe we potentially mm-hmm. missed, you know, what are some insights that you guys have? We definitely want to hear from you. Um, right. 
you know, and then keep in mind to uh, always, you know, go to the wizardfactory.com if you haven't yet. Uh, we have a free initiation package on there. You guys uh, can download it, give some basic uh, daily rituals and practices that you can get started with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also, you know, recently released our nine world room divination course, um, which we've been getting some really great feedback on from mm-hmm. some people who uh, already got it. So, you know, be sure to check that out on the website as well. Yep. We're still running a limited limited time special where you're getting mm-hmm. the the free uh, Phoenix package along with your purchase for mm-hmm. uh, for that. So we'll put the link down below. Um, also, because I haven't announced or, or really uh, talked about this as much, we do have T-shirts on the website. So if you like our logo or want to you know support us or just rep you know rep the brand and help you know a conversation starter, tell people about the podcast. Um, good price on those and I will put that link down below as well to our website for the t-shirts so yeah that's going to wrap up our very first allegorical breakdown Uh, we hope you enjoyed it uh, as much as we did making it and we'll definitely be making more content like this Um, so again let us know what movies you'd like us to cover down below and uh, until then be empowered, inspired, and encouraged Thank you for listening to the Wizard Factory Podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to explore deeper understanding of the universe and ourselves.